Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. It's your hobby content alternative, baby. This show, it's about sports cards. Isn't that why you're here? I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I love sports cards. And so what we're going to do today is talk sports cards. Appreciate you spending a little bit of time in your busy week to join and listen in about what I have to say. And my goal with each of these episodes is hopefully I leave you something that gets you to think about how you're collecting and your approach to collecting. Not telling you what to do, but hopefully I can give you some thoughts, give you some ideas on things I'm learning, and that's what this is all about. It's education. It's about learning because why? This is our escape, man. It's about sports cards. So there's a lot going on, a lot to talk about. Let's dive right in to some things that are going on in my life. So first and foremost, I spent a little time in Bloomington, Indiana. Go Hoosiers, Hoosier hysteria, all you IU sports degenerates out there. My wife is uh, alma mater. Uh, we spent some time getting away before the baby arrived. What a beautiful campus. It was an awesome fall day. People were excited. Um, just nice to get away. It was nice to go to another city. It was nice to be on a college campus and feel that energy and that vibe. Um, so that was fun. Got a little steak in my belly. Shout out little Zagrebs. If you are from IU or you uh, know a thing or two about Bloomington, you you are excited about that one. Little Zagreb's is a very, very good spot. That's where we decided to eat dinner um, and just had a blast. It was nice to get away. Um, pulling back in, I was like, you know, we got to get back, honey, on in time so I can watch Notre Dame um, play Wisconsin and at Soldier Field and um, definitely enjoyed that game. The Irish looked ready to roll and that defense showed up. So excited about that. Um, and as I record this, it's week three. We're on the heels of uh, the NFL season in full motion. And it got me to think a little bit about football and what's going on. And just, I know, hopefully you all enjoyed the episode with Peter, High and Kyler. Um, the goal of that episode was to really give you some perspective on speculation, how he approached his Kyler Murray PC what he's trying to get out of it, and what to do when a player is is scorching hot in the hobby is Kyler. And, you know, I had a lot of takeaways. I'm going to get into some of those a little bit later, but um, hopefully you all enjoyed that episode. But it caused me to reflect, much like many of those episodes that I have on Friday and those conversations, and really uh, it, it helped remind me about my turn into football cards and how I – Decide why I decided to go kind of deep and all in when it seemed like around me people weren't necessarily quite there yet. Um, and I think just about today, and as I woke up and grabbed my phone and looked at my Instagram feed, there were notifications going around the league. All the news, literally on Twitter, on my Instagram, was all about the games, the slate, who's playing, who's not, injury news, uh, speculation. And it was just another reminder of, man, Sundays are consumed by NFL football and the conversations 
all week are about NFL football. And I think there's a certain magnitude of an NFL Sunday across the country. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's just across the country, you know, and that's why the NBA is so big. It's a global game. And I think the NBA has pushed those global boundaries um, greater than probably any other sport here in the United States. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. I get messages all week from people who are football fans outside the country. A lot of those are coming from Australia. I think there's a lot of NFL fans uh, that are in Australia. And shout out to all you Aussies who are listening to the pod. I do appreciate that. Uh, but just people are all in. And I think about this and I think about football cards. And it's undeniable that the the elevation and rise of the football card market has taken off definitely this year. And, I, and, and self-reflection for me, it's, okay, we're playing fantasy football. People are playing DFS. People are putting money down on sports betting. And this is happening, and I will say for me, I, have, I, I used to be a, a little bit of a degenerate when it came to this, especially in the first few weeks. I, I have not put my money on the line this year. And I, I'm asking myself these questions. Why haven't you done this, Brett? Why haven't you put your money out there? And I think, one, like I, I really don't like to lose. I like the thrill of it, but I really don't like to lose. And so I sat here as I was preparing for this episode, and I just asked myself the question. And this is a question I want to put back on you, the audience member. Is it, what if you took all the money that you lost over the past three weeks in, with NFL and put that money into sports cards? Think about that. If you could go back in time, get in the DeLorean, go back, and you were told, hey, you know, that thousand bucks that you put out on DFS and sports betting over the last three weeks, like, what if you had that thousand bucks? And what if you were able to put it on a player? What would that do for your thought process? And how would you think about it? I would say this I'm no saint. I've been guilty of this in the past. I said this year, I have not put the bets in place. But I've been guilty in the past. I think there is a certain level of sports betting and DFS where it's this, you know, knee jerk. It's like I got, I'm, bur- I'm burning a hole in my pocket. I'm gonna be sitting around. I'm gonna watch these games. And yes, I agree. Like there's a certain entertainment value that we need to factor in when we're placing bets, and that's cool. And if you can do it in moderation, like, and it doesn't kill you, go for it. And this is by no means saying don't put your money in DFS and sports betting. But I think there's a transactional mindset that goes into that. And I think getting back into cards, people who enter, and again, raising my hand, I've been guilty of this. There's a transactional mindset where it's like, I'm going to buy, put my money in all these players that I don't really care about because I think they're going to do well. And when they do well, then their card prices are going to go up. And then when their card prices go up, you know, I'm going to sell these cards and then I'm going to get the cat. And then it's like, well, then what are you going to do? So I think for me, it's taking a step back and looking at your feeds and noticing football is all over it and noticing that football cards are are going gangbusters, but there's still so much opportunities. And we can't spend our money on everything, I don't think, unless you got a money tree out back. But I ask myself the question, and this is what I'm doing, is the money that I would be putting into these other things where I could level up it would be more transactional. I don't want to be transactional. 
I want to be a long-term player. And I think that's why I really like football cards right now. And I love the opportunity of where football cards are in comparison to other sports. And just look at what's going on. People who are involved and are fans of football, sports cards are right there. So I'm excited about the growth. And I'll say this. I'm going to shout this out. I want an index. And maybe I'm looking at you, Chris, card ladder. I want a football growth index, like football growth over the past, you know, let's just say, you know, the past three years. Like, let's slice and dice this. And I want to see what the football card market is doing, because I think if we all can see that visual of where it was maybe five years ago, three years ago to where it's at now, and especially what's happened over the last year, we're going to we're going to see some awesome growth and we're going to also see some opportunity. And I don't just want to talk about football. You know that, but I do talk about football a lot because I love it. But the NBA train is rolling. We got the NBA talk is going and everybody, it's amazing. It's, we're getting into another season of this. And I'm just thinking about this. It's like ever since I started stacking slabs, we're, on, we're entering season number three of the NBA, which is wild to me. It's just crazy, but it's exciting. And I think with the NBA, you've got speculation and everything's going back, getting back in order and people are going to be excited. And I'm excited to see if some of these pl- prices of players that were maybe not LaMelo Ball, but maybe a John Moran, if they rebound and what's going to happen there. Are people going to turn their attention from football back into basketball? Is there a balance? I don't know, but I'm certainly going to be watching. And the question that I just want to throw out there, just from the collector's perspective, to anyone listening who's jumping back in or is it always a NBA collector, is you know, what if we didn't necessarily index so hard on the prospecting and speculation and really took a step back and looked at the NBA rosters in the league and the players involved in the league and compared the talent that exists in the NBA right now to maybe a decade ago. And I think what you'd notice and what I've noticed is that there's a lot more collectible type of players because there's a lot more talented players in today's game. However, it just seems to me that some of the attention on some of these guys isn't necessarily where I'd expect I'd expect it to be. And I think some of these guys and players, and there's a certain level of security around collecting them because they've got big fan bases. They're really good, and they've proven it. Yeah, they. You might look at a guy like Damian Lillard, and you know he might not have a championship, and you might think, okay, well he's in Portland, and he might never really have an opportunity to win one there. But I think if you look at a guy like Damian Lillard, you can see that he is a player a decade from now. We look back on our our league and the NBA is such about moments and he provided so many moments and it's the intangibles that he has like players like Allen Iverson had that make him still collectible. And I think there's these types of stories across the league with players, whether they're going to win a championship this year or not, that if you're playing the long game and you believe in passion over profit right now, there's plenty of players in the league that you can connect with. I know I connect with, and you can start buying their cards and you can start following their teams. And it might not necessarily be your team, but there's a, could be a guy out there that you want 
to attach yourself with because you love watching basketball and because it's fun after your team plays to go put on league pass and watch somebody in the Western Conference and get to know a new team and become fan of a fan of a new player. So that's something I just wanted. Like there'll be more NBA conversation on here. Certainly, I'm trying to think about basketball and basketball cards and how I want to be involved. I certainly do, right? I've got a squad. I'm a Pacers guy. I love the Pacers. Always have been. And I'm asking myself, and I've collected some Steph Curry in the past, and I've collected some Russell Westbrook in the past, but I'm trying to figure out, like, what is that lane for me that's going to make me happy, that's going to allow me to attach cards to the game that I love, and that's what I'm doing. I'm certainly not thinking about rookies coming in. I'm certainly not thinking about rookies from last year. I, I'm not playing that game. I just want to connect my collecting to something that I'm truly passionate about. So there's some words as basketball is coming around the corner. I got a chance as I was cutting the grass this morning to uh, listen to the crossover. Shout out the crossover. Um, King Golden was on it. And I just, I love the honest conversations and I love the direct questions. We need to be more honest and we need to be authentic and we need to be more direct in the hobby. That's why I listened to the crossover and why I like the questions that were going at Ken. And when Josh asked a question to Ken about the how many people don't pay each auction, Ken could have taken that and spun it in a way that, you know, made it sound like everyone pays when they come through in golden auction and we have all these things set up but he didn't he hit it he he answered the question right on its head and talked through what their percentages are uh over a period of time and he also talked about what their process is to make sure that if people aren't paying they're not coming around again and doing that again because they're putting enough pressure on them from a legal perspective and i i just love that i love transparency i love the behind the scenes look at companies like golden auctions and i think a guy like ken being transparent being open jumping on lives is a really freaking good thing for the hobby and i want to say just i have not got through uh the entire episode yet but i just got through um just some of the ken golden conversation before i hit record on this and i had to shout that out the more We can facilitate those types of conversations and the more business owners in the hobby can share perspective and give a behind the scenes look on what they're doing, the better you're going to be and the more trust you're going to build. There's this thing in tech that's happening right now that in the company that I'm working for, this is how we're going to market, but it's building in public. It's, it's, it's sharing a inside look behind the scenes and putting all your chips on the table so everyone can see it. And that's how I like to do marketing. I think the more businesses in the hobby who decide to show um, instead of tell and or maybe do a little combination of mo- both, the more trust you're going to build. And damn it, the trust is the hardest thing that we can – trust is the hardest thing to gain in the hobby it, but is the most important. So – Something that I think about, I'm putting my marketing hat on, and I just love that conversation, so I want to call it out. I'm going to be talking about relationships and outreach in this conversation on why they're important, but I want to, I want to share this too. So I pride myself on curating really good guests on this show. If you've been following along, it's rare that I'm bringing on the same people on my show that everyone else is bringing on theirs. Not saying that people who are running the 
podcast and YouTube circuit are bad people to listen to. They're actually, in fact, really great. Um, and you learn from them. But for me, I want to be unique. I want to be different. And I don't want to rehash points of views. I want to share new ones. Um, being different and unique is what this hobby is all about. And that's where the opportunity is. I think there's so much change going on in the hobby. There's so much co- change going on outside the hobby. And I don't want to, I don't want to bring that outside change in because it should be a part of the conversation. Yes, we should collect what, what we like, but we should find communities for it. And the community that I'm loved, loving talking about is sports cards. And I understand there's these other collectible segments that are emerging, popping up. You can call them collectible. You can call them not. You can call them people just trying to make a quick buck. I don't know. I don't have time to evaluate it. I really don't because my, all my time and energy outside of my family and my professional job is not only dedicated to cheering for the teams that I love, but it's also collecting freaking sports cards. And I, I think they're going to get a lot of plugs on this just because I like their stuff and, and, and I pick up on some of the things they're saying. But in one, a couple crossovers ago, Chris said it was around the kind of, I don't know what, one of the alternative collectibles, but he said, doing other stuff takes away from spending time on something I know I really love, and that's cards. And I think the hobby is changing every day. There are individuals who want to be the face of it, and I love the hustle. I, all of the IG lives, all of the content, but I think the biggest piece of contention that I, I have is the hobby is not about the individual. It's about the collective. So the more we as a community can facilitate the right ideas and the right, uh, not necessarily the right ideas, new ideas and unique perspective, I think the more we're going to learn. And that's what I want each and every one of us doing that's listening to this podcast is we all have the opportunity to do it. And I think when we can find ways to break down this massive sea of hobby into ponds, we'll win more. And I want to spend time in these smaller ponds. And I want to talk with my Peyton Manning collectors and learn from them and understand why they're buying certain things and understand why they don't like certain things. And Because I, I don't care about 80% of what goes on in the hobby on a day-to-day. I'm not trying to be the mayor of the hobby because a lot of it is not for me. I have certain lanes and other lanes that I'm not operating in, but I'm potentially interested in. And I want to learn from those people. I wish more people understood the power of segmentation with their communication. Okay, screaming from the mountaintops does very little when you have the opportunity to speak with a smaller but engaged group like you're at a table with them. And I hope when you're listening to the Stacking Slabs podcast, it feels like that. It does not feel like I'm shouting at the, the mountaintops and trying to grab a hold of everybody who's ever ripped open a pack of cards. That's not what this is about. That's why the show is your hobby content alternative, okay? Um, and my, I watch people communicate because I study communication. and I, It's what I do for a living. And my questions are always, is it ego? Is it arrogance? Is it sl- a lack of self-awareness? I don't know, probably all of those things. But I think we have a tremendous opportunity to curate the hobby and create an experience that is best suited for us. My experience in the hobby should not not look like your experience in the hobby. But if we're all doing the hobby differently, we can pull these awesome themes, things we're learning, and surface them up through things like our Instagram account. And that's, that's the education I want. 
It's that's the organic stuff. It's not the manufactured stuff. I am going to tell you how I do mine. Okay. So I keep in a tight inner circle. Inner circle, maybe an AEW reference. Okay. If you're out there and you get that, but I keep a tight inner circle. I love all the engagement that I have because of this show. And I will respond to almost every message that comes in my inbox. And I love it. But if I'm proactively seeking information, I try to do it through channels and avenues with, of people that I trust. Okay. So there's a tight inner circle. So make sure like, if you want to, if you want to level up the way you do cards and your enjoyment around cards, have your inner circle. Okay. I treat it as my escape because I just focus on the cards. That's point blank. This is my hobby. I try to be a student. I care about data. I care about it. Data informs everything that I do in the hobby. Yes, there's some gut and instinct and reaction, but I rarely ever make a purchase without looking at the data first. And that's why I love things like player index on card ladder. It gives you a great in- insight on when to buy. And I, prom- I promise you guys, Card Ladder does not sponsor the show, but they're friends and I love what they're doing. So I call out their stuff. I'm curious. I put on my journalist hat. I'm skeptical too. I put on my journalist hat and I, and, I, and I hit the pavement and I try to find information. And when I find information that I think is going to benefit the hobby, I share it out. And that's my strategy and that's my approach. The way you do it is going to be different from me, and that is the best freaking part. I think, I think this topic and approaching the hobby and how you do it, it's unique. Ultimately, I think we all have opportunity to take what we're learning and try to share it out because we're all getting information and gathering information that no one else is, is, is getting regularly, and information is power. And talk about power, you know, you, you talk about information, but also these relationships can lead to cards and new cards in your PC. And that's what happened to me over the last couple of weeks. So I think the importance of relationships in the hobby can't be stated enough. I think building relationships and building trust between you and another individual who operates in a similar lane than you is the most important thing we could all be doing in sports cards. I think understanding what's in those collections is also very powerful. And it's not trying to snoop around or whatever, but it's the more you get to know people and the more you have conversations, the more you you know what they're buying and you know what's in their collections and you know you get signals through your communication that something might be up for sale and then you start asking questions and then that's really where the magic happens i'm going to tell you this right now i think one thing that i've learned is we gotta pillage a little bit we gotta pillage we gotta put put on our pirate hat and uh eye patches and uh shout out joey the trader we we were going back and forth and talking about pillaging but most of us as collectors don't want to sell what's in our collection i think if we're approached by an opportunity where someone wants a card in our collections that surpasses the value of what that piece is in our minds then we might let go of it because it'll give funds to help get us closer to 
a grail or another card that we want. If if we have to sell, we'd rather sell to people we like and we know. You know what I mean? And I want my cards to, if I'm selling something, I want my cards to go to other collectors. And I, I feel that on the other side. The best cards are in people's collection, okay? It's not just about eBay. It's not just about what's happening on being tossed in golden. It's not what's up uh, on my slabs. It's not... It, there are great freaking cards there. I love the marketplaces. I love the auction houses. And there's always opportunity to get something you love. But if you're a player collector, there's a lot of people who are passionate about that player. Chances are cards that you really want are stashed in collections. So it's on us to go find them and build those relationships. I think this topic really came out to me over the last several weeks. And obviously I'm a relationship guy and I know the value of it, but making two deals over the last week from people that I know, trust and like, and I'm talking deal. I'm talking, here's the cash. Now give me the cards. Uh, like having those things happen, cutting out all the other BS um, is what this is all about. And so a couple cards that I picked up and I posted one of them by the time uh, this is already, I posted it already as I'm recording this, but I, I picked up a 2016 Panini Select Carson Wentz Gold Prism PSA 9 from my man Wentz Wagon. Shout out Scott. Scott and I, when Wentz came on the Colts, he's a, probably got the best Wentz PC I've seen. And so, you know, I, I, I've gotten to know him. I understand what cards are in his PC. And I was on a hunt for a nice Wentz gold card, gold prism card. And I saw that he had the select. And so then we started the conversation and I understood that there might be a chance to pull this from him. And then he threw out a price. I negotiated, and it was really simple. And I knew he loved the card, but he knew the card was going into a collection of a guy who's piecing wins. So we got the deal done, and now he, he knows I've got it. We're in constant communication about Carson outside of just the cards, and it just really made for an easy, good, efficient deal. Another instance happened this week, too, with. My man Kevin, the captain, 37. And I will say this before I talk about this. If you haven't already, I posted Kevin's kind of horror story at PSA. He went on IG Live. Um, I think everyone needs to go to the captain's Instagram page, watch the video, and because um, this could happen to any one of us. And if there's anything that you can do to help Kevin out or have ideas or have been through similar stuff, shoot him a note. We need to do what we can in this community. Try to get the word out, build awareness. And if we can help out, we should do it. Kevin, you know, he's got a ridiculous Brady, Mahomes, Manning collection. And so every now and again, I'll hit him up because I know he likes to sell most of his stuff at shows, but I'll just, you know, poke the bear a little bit. Hey, Kevin, like, this is what I'm looking for. Do you have anything available? Um, and so he's like, I don't necessarily, but we've got this relationship. So let me show you what I'd probably be open to selling. And he, you know, shot a video, went through his stuff, and I went through it, and one card stood out. And it was a card I needed. And I knew I needed it because it checked so many qualifiers for me. And 
So it was a t- 2008 Topps Chrome Gold Refractors Peyton Manning and a BGS 9.5 Pop 1. Now, I wanted this card because Gold Refractor, how you doing? Pop 1, how you doing? Player I collect, how you doing? Now, the fourth how you doing is the fact that 18 is dressed in a Pro Bowl jersey in that card. And I don't have any representation for Peyton in the Pro Bowl in my PC. And when you make 14 appearances, I think it was, in the Pro Bowl, I need some damn representation if I'm trying to curate the timeline of Peyton Manning's career. So I said, Kevin, what, what's your price on this? He gave me a price I thought was completely fair based on my research and it being a pop one. Made the deal. Deal done. Tracking. Here you go. So I just think this is really, really important. We don't just have to go to the mainstream spots to go buy our cards. We can buy our cards from people that we are connecting with on a regular basis. All we have to do is just ask and build the relate. They'll tell you, but I think that's really important. I'm excited for this Friday's episode. I got my man Black Griffin cards on this. We're going to be talking about cards and art. He has contributed and been a kind of the the guy behind the design of the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine. Um, Shout out Adam there. So I'm excited to talk with Black Griffin Cards. And um, yeah, it's going to be a really uh, fun episode. I've got, there's a lot of topics I don't get to. Hopefully you're going to enjoy that one. Listen in in, uh, on the art side of things. And the High End Kyler episode got a ton of good feedback. My big takeaways, and I posted this and I related to this is, he has a career and doesn't want to do cards full-time. He uses the money from one collection that he sold to start another one. And ultimately, he does it because he's a fan. I love his mindset and passion around collecting, and that's what I'm trying to bring out with each episode. And I absolutely loved this episode. So let's close it out here. A couple points. One is going to be some advice. This next next one might be a little uh, negative, but it's just, it's nails on a chalkboard for me. So this is this is real quick to brands in the hobby. And I think some brands in the hobby do it right. Most do it really, really bad. And it's around outreach. And I think I want good experiences. And I think maybe this is the nature of what I do professionally, getting attention, building awareness, earning trust, and then having a conversation. So much of the outreach that gets flooded in my inbox is about you. And it's about what you're doing. And I don't care. I don't care because you've not taken the time to understand what my show is about and what I'm doing here. Do you have you noticed that I'm not talking and I'm not sponsored by anyone? Do you notice that I'm not plugging a bunch of things that I don't believe in? If I don't have a relationship with you, I'm not talking about your stuff on my show. Maybe what you can do is instead of spending a lot of money a lot of money on really bad PR and communications that are hitting my inbox. And I would imagine hitting a lot of other people's inboxes that are on shows is come correct. Come correct. Quit spending time and money on agencies trying to pitch your stuff to me. And what might be more effective is having your information be facilitated by a trusted resource or something that I'm connected with. This is what I do for a living, and it's on nails on the chalkboard when it comes at me. And I just got to say something and speak up. We can do better in the hobby as brands. 
we can do better. And you think not about your story. Think about how you can build trust with your audience. And if brands that are coming up that have been here or growing right now thought about earning trust before they thought about pitching their product or services, we would have a lot better, more efficient, more knowledgeable community because that stuff turns us on. Consumer expectations have changed, and that is not how we listen to brands these days. So just have to get that off my chest. If you're interested in working with me or if you're interested in me talking about something you're doing, make sure you understand what I'm about and what this show is about first. And if you're, you can't do that, your next thing that I'd recommend is try to reach out from someone I know and trust already. All right, let's end this by sharing some advice. I've been looking to kind of use my platform to curate some advice that other people want to share in the hobby. And I'll, I'll say this. I'd love to bring back Let It Rip on the show. If you're a longtime listener, you remember what Let It Rip is. Let It Rip is a opportunity for you as a listener to send in a quick audio recording of something that you're working on, something that you're doing, some ideas that you have that you think will benefit the greater good in the community. All you have to do is record your take, send it to stackingslabs at gmail.com. If it's good, I'll put it on the show. I want to do that. I want to facilitate more voices on the Wednesday show outside of myself, just sitting up here talking by myself. But yeah, I, I want to hear from you. So if you got a take that you think is going to better what we're doing, or if there's something you want to get off your chest, I want to help facilitate that. So send, let's make, let it rip, and let's send your takes to stackingslabs at gmail.com. I'd love to bake those into next, next week. Let's go. I'll give you credit. I'll call you out. I'll point people to your page. Try to get your following up. I'd love to help with that out. So let's close out with some advice. Cusolino, some advice he has for the hobby. Just like music, trust your good taste if you have it. People will come around to what you like. And I love that. That's blocking everything else out and it's saying, I'm just going to buy this because I love it and I don't really care what other people say. So appreciate that. One of my favorite hobby handles is Cowabunga MF. Cowabunga MF said, focus on joy and not the hot cards. I have had valuable cards, but no joy. We all can relate with that. I know certainly I can. One of my favorite dudes, Charger 21. Charger 21 in that F1 collection and someone that I've met in person. He's got a great one here. He says, it's not a competition. Some people have bigger budgets, can't have them all. Yes, yes, brother. Do not look at your neighbor's collection. Focus on your own. I love it so much. Benor 12 underscore sports cards. Don't invest in cards just to resell. Invest in what you like and value will take care of itself. Man, I'm getting inspired by these reading these. I love it. My man, Joey, the E-Trader. If you believe in a card, buy the highest grade you're comfortable with buying at that time. That is something I've learned directly from Joey, and it just it's great. It, it's caused me to think a lot differently about my long-term game with cards. And I just that seems something that might be obvious, but I love having someone sharing that. And that's something that I'm currently thinking about as I'm buying new cards. LaVintage84 dot sports cards. A lot of comps on eBay's are fake or super inflated. All you shillers out there, we ain't got time for you. Always check to see if the item has been relisted. 
So good, so, so good, and great reminder. And I, that's the type of stuff I want to use stacking slabs. Talk about, definitely get the shillers out of here. The more we talk about shillers and the negativity that they cause in the hobby, I think the better. There's been a lot of good conversations about shillers and bringing awareness to them. And the more we can do that, the better. And I'm going to close this out by my man, Bear Down Boiler Up. Be patient. Simple but effective. If you like what I'm doing on the Stacking Slabs podcast, hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend about the show. I do appreciate that. There's so much happening in the hobby, so many ideas. Again, my big thing is always passion over profit. Make sure you have a good one. Make it count. We're going to be back on this show on Friday with my man, Black Griffin Cards, talking about art. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Woo! Talk soon.